God, give us understanding and insight into what you want us to know more about you today. And I pray that as a result of our time together, both in worship and in studying your word, that, um, that our hearts will just feel more affection for you and that our lives will surrender just one more uh, step uh, to Jesus and what you want to do in us. And so, Lord, uh, this morning, what we're going to be talking about, um, it's, it's something that I'm still even trying to wrap my mind around. And so would you please give me words uh, that will speak to our hearts and to our minds this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, again, I uh, just want to welcome you all here today. Uh, so glad that you're with us. There have been many of us that have been praying over this day specifically for a long time. And I am uh, just incredibly grateful for how the Lord has worked in your life to bring you to this place uh, this morning. Um, I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what your morning has been like. I can tell you a little bit how, how our morning went. It was a little bit different than our previous Sunday mornings. Uh, we had to convince our girls that, yes, people were actually coming to church this morning. Like, they didn't believe us. In fact, we were here late last night uh, just kind of cleaning up and doing some things to get ready. And, and my daughter, Adeline, our oldest, <clears throat> she, she's about ready to turn six. And she's starting to like question everything. And so we were saying, hey, sweetie, we're going to go to the church and kind of do some things. And you can wear whatever you want because no one's going to be there. She likes to come to church in dresses. And we're like, no, sweetie, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. No one's going to be there. And she goes, um, are you sure, daddy? Like she did not believe me at all. So we had to convince them this morning that yes, people were actually going to be here. We were hoping that people were actually going to be here. Uh, but wherever you are in life, uh, wherever you are in faith, like maybe you're here today and you're kind of skeptical about this whole Christianity thing, um, you're welcome here. And we hope that, that you feel like this is a safe place for you to explore and to grow closer to, to Jesus. Um, if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use on your device, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 will also have the, the scripture up on the screen so you can follow along up there. Um, Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible. It's in the New Testament. And so if you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, keep turning. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far, turn back a little bit. Hebrews is right in there in, in my Bible, Hebrews chapter 13. Now, if you are new with us this morning, you, we're, we're right in the middle of a series called Behind the Scene. And, and over the last few weeks, uh, we've, been, we, we've seen that while we live in a very real and physical world, there is also an equally real and incredibly important spiritual world happening just behind what we can see with our physical eyes. And so we've been talking about things that we don't oftentimes talk about in the church, things that honestly I haven't really spent a lot of my time thinking and talking about. And so we've, we've looked at things like spiritual warfare and how the enemy works and how Satan tries to steal and kill and destroy our relationship with God and how he tries to work in our relationship with others to, to bring division um, how he tries to take the life out of them and the life out of our life and how he gets us to believe lies about ourselves, things like we're not good enough or that there's no way that God could love us or forgive us after what we've been through, after what we've done. 
And so today, as we are continuing this series, uh, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit, and we're going to look at the other side of this spiritual world. Today, we're going to be talking about angels. And, and, and truthfully, so many people today, including myself, don't really understand the role of angels. Like, what role do angels play in the spiritual realm? What role do angels play in our lives? And so there's a lot of confusion about this topic, but there's also, I believe, a lot of interest. And I think that we see that reflected in pulp culture. And so what happens is that for a lot of people, um, they develop their belief about angels from TV shows and from movies. We take our cue on this topic from shows like, like this, like Touched by an Angel. Or we take our cues from the completely theologically and biblically sound movie, Angels in the Outfield. I love that movie. That movie came out when I was like, I think I was 13 years old when that movie came out. I think I wore it out. Um, or maybe some people's favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Anybody have a good Jimmy Stewart impression in here that they, oh, you did? You, know, you had your hand up. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Anybody like that movie? Maybe that's what you were, anybody love that movie? That was my mom's favorite movie. Before she passed, we watched that movie every Christmas, sometimes multiple times. And in that movie, we learn a very important lesson that every time a bell rings, what happens? An angel gets its wings. That's right. Now, there is nothing wrong with these TV shows. There's nothing wrong with these movies. You can certainly debate their entertainment value, but there's nothing wrong with them. They just may not be the best resource to develop our beliefs and our thoughts about angels. And so what does the Bible say about angels? According to scripture, angels are God's servants. They are um, supernatural beings created by God and for God's glory. Angels were created by God they are unique creations of God, and they were created for his glory. Angels are messengers and spiritual beings of God. And what's interesting, uh, and, and something that uh, my finite mind has a really hard time wrapping around, what's interesting is that it's likely, and I know that this sounds weird, like, listen, if you're new with us this morning, you may be thinking, where am I? <laughs> I get it. I know that this sounds a little strange, but it's interesting that, that it's very likely that even in this place, there are angels that are surrounding us. That they're in this place right now as we worship and as we study God's word together. But as difficult as, it's, as it is for me to wrap my mind around that, it's even harder for me to grasp that sometimes angels actually show up in our lives looking like human beings. And we see this all the time in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, we even read about it in our passage today. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 with me. This is what our scripture says. The author says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality was a hallmark of the early church. He says, don't, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. And then he says something that leaves many of us scratching our heads. He says, For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Hospitality was one of the very first things that set the early church apart from their society. 
And our hospitality to strangers as believers is something um, that, that, we, that, that, that we should continue to pursue, hospitality to those that we may not share everything in common with. It should continue to shine as an example in our world today, not the least of which is because in doing so, we may be showing hospitality to ones that God has actually sent to our lives. And I don't get it, but I see examples of it all throughout Scripture and And as one commentary put it, belief in angels, whether seen or unseen, is difficult only for those who do not believe in God or the truthfulness of Scripture. And and while I think that it can be difficult for everyone, believers or non-believers, I think I understand what he's saying. You see, if you're skeptical about the whole faith thing, about Christianity, or you don't put much stock into what the Bible says, I get that, and I get that this might feel a little weird, a little strange, Honestly, it's kind of weird for me too, and I'm a believer. (laughs) But for those of us who who are believers, who are followers of Jesus, we've got to do something with all of the examples and scriptures of angels being sent by God for his plan and for his purposes. And for me, maybe for you too, it kind of all comes down to having a greater understanding of what the Bible says about angels. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, If you want to take notes in your bulletin, uh, they're right in the middle flap. There's a place for you to do so, and hopefully you'll find a pen in the the back of the seat there in, in front of you. So who are angels? Again, angels are spiritual beings created by God for God's glory. And and they basically are three things. The first thing is that angels are worshipers. Angels are worshipers. Wherever you find God or you find Jesus, you will also find angels worshiping them. And in fact, scripture says in Hebrews chapter one, verse six, and God said when, and, and, and again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, meaning Jesus, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Later, when John gets a peek into the throne room of heaven, this is what he records in Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. He says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. He's worthy of worship. So then he says, Then I I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, they worshiped him, be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. Angels are worshipers. The second thing is this, angels are warriors. They are fierce warriors battling on behalf of God. We see this in Daniel chapter 10. There's a very interesting story. Daniel, is, is, his, his life is kind of being threatened. Um, there's, there's persecution. And so Daniel begins to pray and he's praying and he's praying and, and, he's, and he's praying for like three weeks and nothing is happening. And then after three weeks, there's an angel who, who appears before Daniel and he says, listen, sorry I'm late. Sorry it's taken me 21 days to get here. I've been in battle with the prince of Persia and, and now I can finally be here. I even had to call for backup. Angels are warriors. First Chronicles 21 talks about a time when David looked up and he saw a mighty angel suspended in heaven. 
and a sword was drawn ready for battle. So angels are worshipers, but they are also warriors, and they fight in the spiritual realm on behalf of God and for those who love and follow him. Third, angels are messengers. Over and and over in Scripture, whenever we see an angel show up, they are coming with a message from God for God's people. And so in the Old Testament, in the book of of Judges, we find a man named Gideon who is so afraid of the task before him, so afraid of the Midianites, the the enemy before him, that he was actually cowering in fear. He was hiding from them going, okay, I don't want any part of this, don't want any part of this. God appears to him through an angel, and this is what Scripture records in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, this was his message to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This angel shows up and encourages him with this message that, listen, do not be afraid. God is with you. God is on your side. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 31 shows maybe one of the most famous messages from an angel who shows up to a teenage virgin with this message. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. And so angels are worshipers. They are warriors. And probably the greatest role, angels are messengers from God for God's people. In fact, that's what the word angel means. It means messenger. And so that's a brief look at who angels are. But what exactly do angels do? Well, the first thing that they do is angels give you direction. Angels give you direction. And this is good news for those of us who are maybe a little directionally challenged, <laughs> like myself. Um, I have a hard time, you know, get lost going to the, the, the bathroom, let alone anywhere else. And so I like this idea of an angel guiding and giving me directions. And an example that we see in this is, is you know, we just looked at Luke chapter 1, where the angel appeared to Mary and, and said, listen, I know that you're a virgin and everything and, and that you're pledged to be married to Joseph, but I have good news for you. You're going to have a baby, <laughs> And, and that may have been good news to the angel, and it was certainly good news to us, but I can't imagine that it was very good news to Joseph when Mary told him, hey, listen, I know that I'm pledged to be your wife and all, um, but good news, I'm going to be a mama. <laughs> I'm sure that's not really how Joseph heard it. In fact, the book of Matthew tells us that Joseph considered after that point just kind of calling the whole thing off. But an angel appeared to Joseph and gave him direction. Look at chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 20. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. An angel appears to Joseph and gives him direction on what to do. And there may be times in your life where you are absolutely dead set on doing something. Like you have your mind made up and there is nothing that is going to change it. But what you find is that you just continue to run into one roadblock after another and you get this sense like, man, maybe this isn't the direction I should be going. 
And maybe in that moment, it is an angel of the Lord redirecting you off of the wrong path and onto the right one. It could be an angel giving your life direction because that's another thing that they do. Angels protect you from danger. Now, one of the questions that most people have about angels is, uh, do I have a guardian angel? Do I have a guardian angel? And truthfully, we don't really know because the Bible doesn't say much about it. There are a couple of texts in the New Testament that seem to indicate that angels might be specially assigned to individuals, but there's certainly not enough evidence to form an entire doctrine around it like many people have. But what we see all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and especially in the book of Acts, is that angels are constantly protecting God's people from harm, or they are freeing them when they are locked up from prison, or they are watching over them and protecting them from certain death. And and you never know, there, there may be a time in your life when you look at all of the evidence of a given situation, and you are left saying, I have no idea how my life was spared. I have no idea how that happened. I remember one time out of Indianapolis, um, kind of in, in a little bit just outside of the city, but it was still kind of city living. And my grandparents, uh, my, my, my grandfather farmed uh, down in Greene County, Worthington, right in between Worthington and Jasonville all of his life. And so one of my favorite things uh, growing up was going down and playing on the farm because I got to experience things that I get, didn't get to experience in city life, like four-wheelers and tractors and that kind of fun stuff. And, and I remember one day we were outside playing and they lived right on Highway 48. And so it's a very, very busy highway. Traffic just flies down there. And, and me and a friend were out there and we were playing with something. We were throwing it around. I wasn't really paying much attention. And they threw it and it went out into the street. And I just was fixated on whatever it was that we were playing with. And I didn't even notice that there was a car barreling down the road. And I ran out into the street and I picked that thing up. I have no idea how that car did not hit me. Have no clue how that happened. Um, I also have no clue how my grandpa didn't kill me after that because he came running out of the house going, boy, what are you doing? Pulling me back into the yard saying, don't you ever do that again. To this, you may be able to identify some things in your life where you look at and you go, no clue. I can't explain how this happened. I can't explain how when I walked into a situation, it was perfectly primed for me to to be there. I have no idea how when I was in danger, I, I was able to walk away unscathed. No clue. Maybe you um, can, can relate to some stories that we're going to see here in just a little bit on this video. One of them is from one of our missionaries to Thailand. Thailand, Tim, is that correct? He's a, he's a ministry leader in Thailand, and so you're going to notice his face is actually shadowed out just for his protection because we broadcast these and we put them out. He, he is serving and ministering in such a hostile area, but he has a cool story uh, about, about this. And then another one is from um, our global missions minister, Brad Pontius, about how an angel um, protected him one time. Let's, let's take a look at this video together. As a national unreached mission network in Indonesia, I often encourage American pastors to come to the field and see what God is doing in the mission field. One day I had lunch with this one American pastor and he told me his story about how he went to a village and when he entered one particular house, the man who owned the house shook his hand enthusiastically 
And the man told the pastor that I had a dream last night. And in that dream, I saw a man in shining white told me that tomorrow there will be a white man who is going to tell me something important and I have to listen to it. And so the man asked the pastor, so what are you going to tell me? And the pastor looked at the church planter and asked, what should I do? And the church planter asked, well, share the gospel. So on that day, the American pastor shared the gospel to this man, and then the man asked his wife to join in, and they both received Jesus that day, and later that afternoon, they were both baptized. While Gail and I were serving in Jamaica in the late 80s with Youth for Christ, I found myself in a seriously life-threatening situation. An older lady showed up on a scene. She was very dark and wrinkly with a cataract on one eye and only a few teeth. I thought she was a crazy woman. When she patted my arm, I recoiled. I was really too shaken to even be nice to her. But then she said, I've heard what happened and I took it to the throne. Don't trouble yourself, everything will be fine. She got my attention for sure. How, how could she know what was going on and who was she? From that moment, the events that followed turned dramatically in my favor. She even called on a six foot two, chiseled bodybuilder type to walk me through an angry, aggressive mob. I've always wondered about that woman. She brought such hope, comfort, and protection to me when I was panicked and confused and feared for my life. I really hope to find her in heaven, and I won't be surprised if she has wings and a halo. <laughs> See, the truth is that we have no idea, like, we have no idea how much God loves and cares for us. He loves and cares for you so deeply. And he is for you, not against you. And he is willing to literally move heaven and earth to come to your defense, to be with you. And, and, and I don't know how all of this works. I, I don't know... How, when are the times when God supernaturally intervenes and when are the times that it's just, it's just the way that it all worked out? But I know that God, God uses, in, in Scripture, God uses angels to direct and to provide. And maybe one of my favorite uses of, of all is he uses angels to minister to you. Angels can minister to God's love and healing and power to you. We see this over and over and over in Jesus' life. After his baptism and a 40-day fast in the wilderness, the devil tries to tempt Jesus. And when Satan finally gives up, angels come and minister to him. I kind of I think of it like, you know, a, a heavyweight boxer just got done going rounds and rounds and rounds, been pummeled, and he's in his corner, and he's sitting there, and he's like, I can't do it anymore. And, you know, his, his trainer comes and pulls him around. You can do it. You can do it. I can't imagine. Like, that's what the angels did to Jesus in that moment. They come and they minister to him. In the moment of the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before the cross, Jesus, it, 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 his pain is so intense that, that Luke says that he's actually, his sweat was like drops of blood. We read that right there in that moment, in the midst of all of the agony, in the midst of all of the pain, an angel appears to minister to Jesus and to give him strength. And I think that that's how God continues to use angels in our life today. One final passage Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. 
says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That word ministering here is an interesting little word. It means to be an attendant. It means to wait upon someone and to serve them as a friend. I think what a beautiful depiction of what God does for us through his messengers. He directs you, he protects you, and then he ministers to you through them as a friend, which is what you are. Through Jesus, you are a friend of God. And some of you here today, you're facing a challenge in your life that may be too big for you to think that you can overcome it. Your marriage is falling apart and you are wondering how in the world are we going to pull through this? You are facing a temptation and, and, and you are thinking, there is no way that I can overcome this. Your heart is broken over something you did or something that was done to you. And you are thinking, I just don't know how in the world I can go on. And God may send you a messenger, a ministering angel that gives you strength and courage to take the next faithful step. And maybe you're here today and you are exhausted. You are physically or spiritually burned out. You are burned out at work. You are burned out at home. You are burned out on religion. God may send you an angel to give you strength. I know for me, the last few weeks, honestly, have just been really, really hard. We've been getting ready for this transition and all the work and everything that's gone into it. And this change, like any change, has been difficult. I feel like Satan has been using discouragement and doubt to just beat me up. Two of his favorite weapons to use against me, discouragement and doubt, discouragement and doubt, discouragement and doubt, over and over and over. And finally, last week, I just cried out, God, I cannot take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I can't explain it, but I feel like in that moment, God ministered to me in ways both seen and unseen. He sent people who have carried the load and have encouraged me, and he has shown me things in his word that has ministered to my heart and my soul, and I can't prove it. But maybe, just maybe, God sent an angel to minister to me in that moment and give me strength. I don't know. But what I do know is this. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we live in a physical world, but that there is an equally real world where there is a battle going on between good and evil. There is a spiritual world happening just behind what we can see, where the darkness is fighting against the light, where the kingdom of God is pushing back on the powers of darkness, and God, who loves us, who loves us in every way. God has given us everything that we need to be victorious in Christ. Jesus has already won the victory, even though it looks like he was defeated on the cross. See, when the crowds that waved the palm branches, that I loved it when our kids came in this morning and waved those as we sang Hosanna. Those crowds that waved the palm branches before Jesus and sang his praises as he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, that very same crowd would turn their backs on him and call for his crucifixion just days later. And when all hope seemed lost, when it seemed as if darkness was going to be victorious over light, God sent his messenger to declare, he is not here, he is risen. 
And he continues to send us out today as his messengers with that same great news of hope and assurance and victory. And because he is alive, because Jesus is victorious, those of us who are his disciples, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we can hang on to the promise that greater is the one who is in you than he who is in this world. So when you are weak, when you are afraid, when you feel like you are at the end of your rope and you cannot go on, call on God. He will sustain you using every resource available to him, both seen and unseen, and he will sustain you by his amazing grace. Would you stand with me as I close this off in prayer? God, thank you for how you care for us, how you have given us so many good and perfect gifts, the gift of salvation and grace through Jesus. You have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And you've even sent out your messengers to encourage us and to direct us and to minister to us when we feel weak. Lord, I'm grateful for all the ways that you move and all the good things that you do in our lives. And thank you for bringing us here to this place this morning. Lord, I know that you want to do something in us that maybe we can't even see right now. You want to minister to us and show us your love in a way that maybe is new and fresh and a way that we've never understood it before. And so, Lord, for that person that's here this morning that is feeling weak and afraid, who has questions and doubts, who feels discouraged and beaten up. Lord, would you please minister to them in a way that only you can. And may they know just how much they are loved. May they sense your presence in their lives. And Lord, may they feel your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.